Hello, and welcome to our Yoga Hero Teachers Podcast. This podcast has been created to help yoga teachers teach with passion, avoid burnout, and earn a fair living. In this episode, we'll look at what you need to know, to think about, to consider, when renting a space to teach yoga. This advice stands when renting a space by the hour or by the class or renting a space for you to use exclusively day in, day out, month in, month out. This podcast is an accumulation of all of the, um, shall we say, learnings (laughs) that I have learned over the past eight years, over which time Yoga Hero has inhabited a church, an art gallery, a 15th century building, a disused industrial unit, a skate park, a gym, (laughs) a nightclub, a cafe, a festival, and quite a few others as well. I'd start by saying that no space is completely perfect, so keep in mind what and who you'll be teaching which will help you prioritize what you need and what you want. We'll come back to this idea after we've looked at what to bear in mind. Okay, (laughs) let's go. First of all, location. So this is a pretty good place to start. Previously on this podcast, we've talked about how locality is a massive consideration when teaching in person. From my own experience, if it's half an hour or more to get to you, people won't come. Or when a barrier comes up, however big or small, like the kid's not going to bed, traffic seems pretty bad, the weather's horrendous, oh, I'm feeling a bit pants. Yeah, people won't come, they'll cancel. And when they don't come, it usually takes people quite a while to get back into the rhythm of coming back weekly, I'd say about six weeks. So I think it's a good idea to work on the basis of about half an hour travel time or less when you're considering renting somewhere. Consider the public transport links, um, how people will get their walking, driving times to the venue from population hubs. Just a side note about location here as well. If you think that most people will be driving, obviously look at parking options and costs nearby. If you're looking at renting a space quite a few times a week and you go in long term, maybe six months or more, you might get in touch with the closest car park and see if they would do your customers a deal, maybe. Maybe they will, (laughs) maybe they won't, but it's definitely worth asking. Secondly, we're thinking about cost. I'd say with location, this is one of your main considerations. If the space costs too much, you won't earn any money. And unless you have money in the bank, meaning that you don't need to earn any, then you're risking burnout working too many hours for not enough income and having to manage the worry that goes hand in hand with that. Different venues charge in different ways and you want to 
upfront, get a very clear idea of how your prospective venue is going to be charging. Some venues will charge a set rate or a percentage per person. A common split is 60-40 with the teacher getting 60%. If the venue is charging per person, make sure that there's no minimum fee that they need. Let's look at an example. So if you charge £10 per person and they want 40%, that's £4 per person. If only one person books on, do you actually pay them £4? Or have they stipulated somewhere that it's, I don't know, £20 or 40% per person, whichever is the higher? Also, consider the other end of the bracket. What happens if you have loads of people there? I know this is a good problem to have, but it's definitely worth considering. You've worked really hard to build up a loyal following, done loads and loads of promotional work, been getting back to loads of people's emails, etc. You get 20 people week in, week out, and using the same maths we just did, you'll be paying the venue £80 a class. So consider both ends of this way of charging. So payment per person can be great because it's lower risk, as long as there's no like minimum payment, as it were. But if you're confident in your following, your ability to promote, etc., you don't want to risk paying through the nose just by having a loyal following. Other venues will charge per hour or for a set time, like I don't know, a half day (laughs) or a full day. If the venue that you're looking at or thinking about charges a set rate for an hour, check if there's a buffer time before and after this for welcoming yogis, taking payments, handing out props, etc. Or will the class be four, which might be like a really um, sweaty, smelly (laughs) hit class, for example. Will their class be finishing at six and yours is meant to start at six? I've been in that situation before. It's a real kerfuffle. So that's a really important consideration. People can sometimes feel shortchanged if they've paid for an hour, but they actually get 50 50 minutes just due to the logistics of the venue and the renting out of the room. Either way, investigate if there's a discount for block booking. Usually there is, and there should be. You're rewarded for your commitment to the venue and the venue appreciates that because they've got less work to do. And lastly, how will you pay? Will you be taking all of the monies from your customers and paying the venue afterwards? Or will they manage the bookings and the income and they pay you the difference? If it's this option, how soon do you get your money? All of this is really important. If you bust a gut promoting and teaching your classes now, only to find out that you get your money in 90 days, that might and probably should really affect whether you decide to go with that space or not. Thirdly is size and usable size. So again, this is incredibly important. It's probably one of our three make or break considerations along with location and cost. How many mats can you fit in to the space? Really though, I would really recommend taking one or two mats with you and measuring how many you can fit in. 
bearing in mind you don't want to put people like behind pillars or underneath a low sloping ceiling etc. I've previously rented a small room above a cafe which on the floor fits seven mats in but as soon as I actually got seven people in there and started a class inhale raise your arms to the ceiling (laughs) three of those people actually hit the ceiling oops that space turned out to be perfect for one-to-ones it was really affordable there was more than enough space for one-to-ones or one-to-twos did a couple of those it was really cozy and it was warm and we could have a coffee afterwards but it did not work for classes heating. It's amazing how often heating escapes yoga teachers as a consideration. The first space that I rented was £20 for an hour or £50 if I wanted the heating on. It it had been a church before, it had exceptionally high ceilings Um, And they had to have the heating on all day for it to then be warm for my class at 6pm. At the time, I was charging £5 per person. (laughs) Remember, this is eight years ago. So no heating was four people to cover the cost of the rent. But with the heating on, I needed 10 to cover the cost of the rent. And that obviously didn't take into account the cost of travel, equipment, insurance, etc. All of the costs that we talked about in our first podcast, pricing strategies for your yoga offering. So check A, if there is heating, because it's really (laughs) common that there actually isn't heating in yoga spaces for some reason, or spaces that can be used for yoga classes. They're often big and hard to heat, and therefore there isn't any heating. So A, check if there's heating, B, if it costs extra, and C, Does it actually make the room warm enough, especially consider Shavasana here? It's one thing considering if the room is warm enough for a power flow or Ashtanga, where of course you get pretty warm anyway, but it's quite another to lie on the ground for a good like five minutes if the floor is freezing cold. Five, toilets and changing rooms. Like heating, It's amazing how often considering something as simple as toilets gets missed. So simply check that there are toilets that your yogis can use or all of the times you'll be running running sessions. In the past, I rented a space by the hour, which has public toilets nearby, but they weren't open in the morning, which completely scuppered me being able to hold morning classes. noise. Now, while there's arguably little or no learning which comes from having a space in a silent area, it usually is quite nice for your yogis to experience some peace when they're practicing yoga. I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that Yoga Hero held yoga sessions in a skate park for a little while it was actually a room fit out for dance lessons, which was above the, ca- the skate park itself. Like the novice that I was, well, am, <laughs> in many ways, I went to go and view the space at 3pm and it was so lovely and quiet and peaceful. But at 6pm, which is when we were actually having our evening classes, the skate park was, surprise, surprise, full of skateboarders. 
and it was so loud and such a racket and it would be like entirely unpredictable noise not like a rhythmic noise that people could get used to so yeah it was quite the test of concentration and arguably a real learning zone for the people that were coming to classes never mind me it wasn't peaceful and the attendance at the classes reflected that so make sure that you go and view the space when you're going to use it and when you will potentially use it to morning, lunchtime, evenings, weekends, mid-morning, mid-afternoon, etc, etc. Take into account will you have windows open or closed? Is there a busy road nearby, especially one that emergency services are likely to use? If it rains, will the noise of the traffic affect your yogi's ability to hear your instructions? What businesses are nearby? Is there a reception desk or a waiting room nearby where people will congregate and chatter, etc., etc.? All things to bear in mind in terms of the noise nearby. Seven, equipment. In these pandemic times, lots of people will bring their own equipment to classes. So this might not be a consideration for you just yet or at all. However, lugging 20 yoga mats-ish around is no joke. So if you're considering hiring a space to hold a few classes a week, you might want to see if they have mats and equipment that you can use, or if not, if there's somewhere safe, clean and dry for you to store your own. Eight, business rate. In England, and I'm sorry, I must admit, I'm not 100% sure about the systems in the rest of the UK, but in England, business premises have a rateable value, which is an amount set by the Valuation Office Agency, and it's used by your local council to calculate your business rate bill. Now, because we want to share yoga with people, and yoga mats take up much more space than a person standing up or a person sitting on a chair. Spaces for yoga sessions tend to need to be bigger than spaces for, like, say, an office for a small company, etc. Just as a side note here, I've always used the measurement of two meters by one meters per mat, which does not account for social distancing at all. But outside of social distancing, this has worked quite well. This two meters by one meter has worked well to give people some space around their mat, but still allow enough people to join the class to ensure that it's financially worthwhile. Okay, anyway, some businesses with smaller spaces might end up not paying any business rates at all. But for yoga, that's rare because our spaces tend to be bigger. So Ensure that the cost of business rates is included within the cost that you've agreed or within the cost that you've been quoted. You don't want to end up with any surprise costs down the line. And of course, that's the case for utilities like gas, electric, water, and even things like building insurance and emptying the bins. Make sure that none of this is extra, that it's all included in the cost that you've been quoted. Nine. Licensing for music. Ideally, the venue already pays for licensing of music, but do check with them. If they don't and you use music, 
you'll need to contact the relevant authorities and pay for the music that you're using. 10. Cleanliness. What other activities or businesses or groups use the space? Will they be making a mess that you'll have to clean up before each class before you lay your mats down on the floor? When I ran classes from the art gallery, I had to go there on my lunch hour every day. I was working an office job at the time and I went on my lunch hour every day that I was teaching classes to sweep and mop up the dust from their sculpturing and artwork, which was amazing. It was just really messy. And then I went back to my day job for the afternoon and then returned to the gallery in the evening to teach yoga. It was seriously hard graft and not something that I'd factored in time-wise or energy-wise. And it really affected how long I used that space for. 11. Access. Let's take a quick break. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. Here I'm talking about actually accessing the space. I'll talk about accessibility in a moment. Will you be a key holder? What happens if you forget or you lose your key? Is there a plan B? If you won't be given a key, will there always be someone there to open up for you and lock up for you? What if somebody's not there? Is there a phone number for someone who will always answer? You really don't want to commit to a space, promote your sessions, and then turn up to teach with all of your equipment and your keen yogis, only to find out that they've forgotten and the building's locked up and you have to send everyone home. 12. Reception area. Leading on from access, consider if there's an area that lends itself to welcoming people in, checking them in, taking payments, etc. In the art gallery, I sort of floated about with an iPad and a float box. And then one day the float box went missing while I was showing someone to their mat. If I'd had a reception area, then it might have been a little bit safer. Also, bear in mind that someone might want to come in and quietly tell you about a health condition. Could they do that privately in your actual reception area or your makeshift? reception area. 13. Accessibility. Not all buildings are or can be accessible for all. Consider your offering and your audience and audiences and prioritize accordingly. Consider the size and clarity of signs whether there's a hearing loop available, if there's a lift, a disabled toilet, baby changing space, etc. 
talk to your yogis. What do they need and what would they like to see? And bear those requirements in mind when looking for a space. Fourteen, social media following. Promoting your offering can be a black hole of your time and effort. If the space that you're considering has a large and loyal social media following and they will promote your sessions, that could really save you a lot of time and energy. Similarly, if their following is small or non-existent, it might be worth considering why. I know that's a bit tight, but it is worth considering why that might be. Is the venue hard to find? Do people not return once they've been once? Will you spend half your time sending people directions, telling them where to park, trying to give them a code to enter the space, etc.? These are just all things to consider. And last but not least, 15, potential customers. Talking about the venue's social media following leads me on to considering what's near the space. We talked about this in terms of whether they will make a mess or make loads of noise, but also, will they come to your sessions? I've been to yoga studios in office blocks before, which really makes a lot of sense because that studio has that entire office block already on their doorstep. i just run through these 15 points again so that we can recap. One, location. Two, cost. Three, size, considering the actual usable size. Four, heating. Five, toilets and changing rooms. Six, noise. Seven, Equipment storage or equipment that you can use. Eight, the cost of business rates and utilities like gas and water and electric. Nine, licensing for music. Ten, cleanliness. Eleven, access. Twelve, a reception area. Thirteen, accessibility. 14, social media following, and last but not least, 15, potential customers. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I think it's unlikely that you'll find a space that ticks all of your boxes of all 15 points, so you'll need to prioritise. And the way that you do this is by considering the populations that you will work with and their needs and your needs too. If you don't have a car, you need somewhere that's walkable too or somewhere with good transport links and ideally somewhere that you won't have to take 20 mats to to week in, week out. However, if you and a lot of your customers will be driving, you might prioritise somewhere with parking. If you have very little time to promote your classes, you might prioritise somewhere that has lots of potential customers on the doorstep and or a large social media following, etc, etc. 
I really hope this has helped give you some food for thought for what to consider when renting a space to teach yoga in. It's much easier to evaluate spaces now, given the checklist we just mentioned, than the alternative, which is setting up a class in a new space, doing all of your admin, updating the address on your website, your Facebook page, writing an email newsletter, trying to let everyone know, taking nice photos, etc., etc., and then finding out it doesn't have a toilet or it doesn't have heating or just before your class, there's a salsa class in the space and the floor is covered in talcum powder. And yes, this has happened before. <laughs> We've created a checklist for you that covers these 15 points, which you can download and consult each time you view a space. Right through from using a meeting room in a workplace for a workplace session, right through to renting a space full time. To get yours, just simply go to yogahero.co.uk forward slash podcast eight. I wish you the best of luck in finding suitable spaces in which you can share your yoga. Let's get out there and teach people the many, many benefits of yoga. Good luck. I would love, love, love to hear how you get on. Send us an email, hello at yogahero.co.uk or contact us on Instagram at yogahero underscore teachers. Best of luck, happy searching, and I'll see you next time.